0: Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. My name is Tom, you may know me as the creator of Like Stories of Old, and together with my fellow video essayist Thomas Flight, we're going to be nice and chat like about The Banshees of Inisherin, directed by Martin McDonagh. And that's how far my Irish goes. <laughs> it does so. If I could pull off a different accent, I would have done so a long time ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll try to stay away from any imitation of the Irish accents in this. It it does kind of infect you, though, as you're watching it. You kind of like want to pick up some of the terms.
0: Anyways, before we begin, I want to mention that Cinema of Meaning is a Nebula original podcast, meaning that on Nebula, you can listen to all of our episodes ad-free and a week early, and you'll also get access to bonus episodes. Go to nebula.tv slash cinema of meaning or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. Okay, so The Banshees of Inner it just released here, so I'm still going on my first impression. I just saw it for the first time a few days ago. You have seen it twice now, right? That's right, yes. Uh, You had it on your best of the year list. Uh, You also came on to my video to... Tell me how why it should have been on mine as well, or it would have been on mine as well if I had the chance to see it. What what, what are your thoughts on The Banshees of Initiaire and what made this movie so special for you?
1: You know, going into it, my first impression was I was just hmm. excited to see Martin McDonough pairing back up with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. We talked about In Bruges on this podcast early on, and that's a movie that we both have enjoyed. So just the prospect of this film was was exciting it kind of surprised me in watching it it's a kind of a different movie than i imagined it is funny you know the performances are great the dialogue is very well written and engaging in the way you kind of expect from martin mcdonough but it also is kind of slow and melancholy and really allows the Irish landscape to kind of seep into the movie. And all while it's exploring this kind of absurd, darkly humorous story, but also, you know, a story that's a much deeper exploration of where we find meaning in life and what it means to be a nice person, how meaningful art is, uh, it touches on all these different questions, sources of conflict. there's a there's a lot going on in this movie. So watching it the first time, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, but I think watching it a second time, it opened up even further for me. Yeah, there's a lot here. This is a movie I don't feel like I have a good handle on thematically necessarily mm-hmm. exactly what it's saying, but it's a movie that inspires a lot of questions. For me as I'm watching it, it makes me think a lot Mm -hmm. about not just what's happening in the movie, but the way those things relate to contemporary life. So, yeah, I'm excited to discuss that with you. I was going to ask, what was your biggest revelation
0: on the second viewing?
1: We're getting into spoiler territories pretty quickly, but one of the things Mm -hmm. that I noticed so much watching it again was how much is happening in the performances It's a very slowly paced film, which I I really enjoy. It kind of takes on the pace of island life. It feels like the kind of amount of time that happens between certain lines feels just like very drawn out. There's this kind of repetition of certain lines. It just takes its time. But what's interesting is kind of what's happening in the performances, I think, in that space. I think the performance that really opened up to me second watch was Carrie Condon's as Siobhan and Mm -hmm. the first time through you know I think you see a little bit of the conflict with her character or I did but I think knowing her arc going in the second time her relationship to Brendan Gleeson's character Culm, I think is really interesting where there's this reflection in her performance where you start to get this feeling that she actually really understands his struggle, there's a commonality between them the the kind of the point that he's trying to make, quote unquote, she mm-hmm. really gets, I think, and it's part of why she decides to leave. like it, kind of what he's expressing is part of her impetus for leaving. So anyway, we can get to that later because that you know, there's more to discuss <laughs> before we get there. Yeah. but I think that's a layer that I didn't pick up on at all. The first time through but that i really felt the presence of watching again there's there's probably more than that but but that's a that's the main example hmm.
0: yeah for me so i just watched it a few days ago i really liked it on first impression i loved the landscapes the cinematography the music it reminded me of uh, malik's days of heaven a little bit like a movie that's very much Tied to a specific location, which is always like bathed in this beautiful light, and that is something that I always really enjoy for obvious reasons, I think. But I I, I was struggling a little bit with how this movie made me feel towards the end. Like, and it, it's not a that's not a critique of the film, but I I think I went in with different expectations, or it felt like the movie was setting up something that i recognized and associated with a certain story structure and then it kind of went in a different direction sure sure so i'm kind of still in the process of figuring out you know trying to meet the movie on its own terms instead yeah. of and and kind of deconstructing my own expectations that i had of it because you know to put it shortly to me it felt more tragic than i was anticipating it felt i, I kind of felt sad at the end in a way that i wasn't Enjoying, but that may have been <laughs> right, kind right, of yeah. to the movie's credit that it, it genuinely makes you feel sad towards the end. You want them to be friends or at least to be happy, and you don't want that to be any conflict, and it still somehow finds them, anyways. And it kind of ends on that note also uh, with a slight silver lining. But I guess it says something about the way the movie connects you to the characters and to their relationships, and that you really want it to work out, but then the movie also doesn't exactly give you that. And yeah. at first I thought with Colin Farrell's character, Patrick, I think he was called. Yeah, Patrick. I I, Patrick. I thought he was going to be more of this flat arc type of character, you know, sort of someone like, I think he was called Desmond in the the, the guy from um, Hexar Ridge or, you know, a movie like Paddington where you have this one character who's very friendly and kind and... They kind of stay the same throughout the story and it's the world around them that changes. But here it felt like I I thought Colin Farrell or Patrick was going to be a similar type of character, that his kindness was going to be this stable like cornerstone throughout the movie. And to some extent it does, but he also... There is a sort of decline or diminishment to his goodness towards the end, which I wasn't sure what to make of at first. Again, that's not... A critique of the movie that this is kind of me coming to terms with my own expectations of it i'll i'll interject here because i, I have something yeah. to say
1: related to that that i think is maybe an interesting jumping off point for some of the discussion mm. maybe what i should have said when you asked what changed the second time around is mm. something that's probably a little more relevant to the story as a whole or the main arc but this the first time around i was very much sided with podrick you're like oh, Colm's being absurd. You know, he's making this crazy. I mean, for uh, we've already in spoiler territory, so I'm assuming people who are listening to this have watched it already. But the the movie kicks off with these two best friends and Colm, played by Brendan Gleeson, is like, if you don't, I don't like you anymore. If you don't stop talking hmm. to me, I'm going to cut my yeah. fingers off, basically. And it just kind of proceeds from there. And so I think you initially, you side with, with Podrick because you're like, that's crazy. Why is he doing that? There's no reason to it. I'm not really defending Cullum. I don't, you know, I think all those things are true. I think he is being mean, and I think he is acting in sort of an absurd manner. But the second time through, I really found myself questioning, like, Podrick's niceness a lot more where everybody, everybody's like, oh, patrick you're nice. like, And he says, I'm nice. But we don't actually see a whole lot of niceness. I think the movie maybe wants you to question a little bit the nature of his niceness and whether or not he really is nice. Because pretty early on in the movie, that initial conflict hits. And then he kind of starts being mean to, like a little bit mean to his sister who wants to like, hang out with him and he's kind of brushing her off mm-hmm. and he immediately becomes very like obsessed with this conflict that's happening between him and Cullum and he doesn't really have time to actually engage with what's going on with any of the people around him. And he also is a character that seems very much to overlook certain aspects of the people around him's pain or hurt. Uh, and I think this this becomes like central to the conflict later so anyway I like I think he does mm-hmm. do kind things like he you know welcomes Dominic into their house there's gestures at s- certain times that show kindness and I think like in his heart he has kind intentions but I have a, mm-hmm. a broader question of like is he actually substantially kinder than the other characters in in yeah. a way that that warrants the kind of way he staked his identity on that. That was something that I was more present to me, I think, watching the second time. This episode of Cinema of Meaning is sponsored by NordVPN. I've been using NordVPN for years and there's several reasons it's really helpful. First, I appreciate the privacy and security that it affords me around the web, but it can also be very helpful in scenarios like Doing this podcast where Tom and I are in two different countries and sometimes media releases at different times in different countries or at different times on different streaming services in different countries and one of us will be able to watch it but the other won't. One of the ways you can get around this sometimes is with a VPN where you can make it seem like you're in another country and that way Tom and I can have access to the same media at the same time. NordVPN is great for this because the servers are really fast, and so streaming over these servers isn't going to slow things down and degrade the quality. Give NordVPN a try right now by going to nordvpn.com slash cinema of meaning or click the link in the podcast show notes. When you use our link, you'll get a bunch of money off of the two-year plan, an entire month for free, and you get access to a 30-day money-back guarantee. That way you can try NordVPN completely risk-free. Again, go to nordvpn.com slash cinema of meaning or click the link in the show notes to give NordVPN a try and protect yourself online and open up access to media all around the world. And thanks again to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode of Cinema of Meaning.
0: Yeah, I had some of those thoughts as well, especially when Badrick started really to self-identify as a nice person, which right. to me seems seemed like a red flag when someone has to emphasize for themselves something about their character then it's that usually means that it doesn't come out naturally so there might be some falseness or like performance there i also definitely felt that he was a bit dim with it maybe you know he was obviously not the most clever guy the most educated guy you know he's constantly shown as struggling with language you know he wants to say things but then he just cannot seem to think of anything to say so it's you know it's when he, when uh, Colm finishes his song, he's like, Oh, that's great. It's, you know, it's, it's not just great, it's, it's very great. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of, I love that he, there's something very endearing about yes. his character when he's trying to prove himself in that sense. But I also felt kind of that lack of intelligence also extended to his social awareness yeah. and where, yeah. you know, he obviously, I can imagine that Colm might have been trying to break not necessarily break his relation but maybe kind of ease away from that friendship for a longer time preceding the movie because it, it does seem yeah. like colm is just from one day to the next he's like okay now i want nothing to do with you anymore but that's kind of being told to us from the beginning patrick's yeah. perspective also so there might be we don't know what happens before that and we see it with uh patrick's sister as well that she's uh clearly struggling for a long period of time with what she wants to do with her life. But the moment Patrick finds out about it, to him it kind of comes out of nowhere because he's just been yeah. kind of insensitive or non-perceptive towards her deeper or those more complex emotional struggles. Um as for Comb, um, I did I, I I feel like he was within his right to not maintain a relation that he has no interest in or that he seeks or finds no value in, yeah. you know, I think everyone's had experiences like that, where someone, when you have someone in your life that isn't necessarily, that you don't necessarily want to be there and, you know, kind of the struggle of how do I casually maneuver my way out of this. Right. right. So in that sense, I did understand where Com was coming from to some extent, you know, the, he obviously goes into these extreme absurdities with threatening to cut off his fingers and then actually doing so and there's even a cruelty in that act because he's cutting off his he he, he kind of, he basically he wants to cut Patrick out of his life so that he can make music which because he feels right. like music is the thing that lasts or art and so he wants to keep doing the music but then he at the same time he threatens to cut off the hands or the fingers that he uses to play the violin. So it's not just that he wants to set like the stakes or set high high stakes for Patrick, but there's also a kind of cruelty in the sense that if Patrick does maintain that relation or does keep bothering him, then he's not just hurting Colm physically, but he's also kind of destroying his legacy. So he's kind of placing this double burden on Patrick which, Patrick, which might have been a bad move because Patrick, Patrick doesn't it, understand not, it. Yeah, he's it, not sensitive <laughs> enough to yeah. kind of think through the implications of that or in the way that Colm intended it. He had to, It felt like he wanted to do this as some grand, like poetic yeah, maneuver. And then Patrick, it just went, went completely over his head. There's also
1: such a symbolic, like, absurdity in that act too, where that I think is interesting, where Colm is, is like... I'm doing this for a very specific reason which is I want the legacy of my music to live on Mm -hmm. while simultaneously trying to destroy the thing that would allow that to happen in order to accomplish that goal I see both characters as kind of equally engaging with the absurdity like the absurdity of setting up that conflict in the first place rests on Colm, and then like Podrick's seeming inability to like understand the basic dynamic of the situation which is that what colm actually wants is to be left alone like mm-hmm. possibly until the end kind of the end scene which we can talk about later he never do- he never seems to really actually understand what colm wants so i think there's a really interesting mm-hmm. like disconnect there between Colm being this person who has he's struggling with like despair and this like existential dread and all this deep you know depression he's not healthy it it seems like he has this friend who is like unable to engage with like emotional pain of the people who are around him his sister Colm you know, probably the person he most connects with, with is Dominic. It feels like he doesn't really, to, to borrow a term from James Cameron, he doesn't, he's not seeing, he, like, mm-hmm. there's no I see you moment between yeah, yeah. Podrick and the characters he's around. And, like, if you're in that situation, it can be a very, it, that can be a, like, painful situation to be in. Uh, like, if mm-hmm. you're struggling with these deep things and the people around you just seem, like, fundamentally to not understand that. So I yeah I don't know I am I'm, I'm very interested with how it explores that and I think on a second watch I didn't feel like there was an obvious uh like an obvious good guy here necessarily in the way that I did maybe the first yeah. time.
0: I thought also that it might have had something to do with cuz it takes place during the Irish Civil War. Yes. Just like as the conflict <clears throat> on this little island goes on there's fighting going on on the mainland we see the occasional like far away cannon fire or gunshots how, how how much do you know about the irish <laughs> civil war like at first i thought is this some kind of allegory maybe i don't but i then i didn't think it was i don't think it's allegorical in the sense that colin Farrell represents the one side Cole maybe the other right. and this movie explores that conflict I, I think that diminishes the depth of the individual psychologies of these characters by yeah. reducing them to the kind of general sentiment of a party involved in a war. But it does it does feel like it symbolically is a form of microcosm of two friend, friends who sort of clash over, maybe over nothing, or maybe to, to one party over nothing, to the other maybe over some kind of feeling of misunderstanding. And almost, because it, it, it kind of escalates by accident you know to some extent Comb obviously escalates extremely by cutting off his own fingers but then yeah, you know we're, we're into spoilers but at some point he, he throws the the fingers at patrick's door and then his yeah. donkey jenny eats a few of them and chokes i think uh, anyway the donkey dies and that sets off this greater conflict where patrick is now like oh okay now i'm you you killed my donkey i'm gonna set your house on fire which he does at the end and so it feels like there's just so much needless ruin and destruction and I, I wonder to what extent that reflects the sentiment that McDonough might have had about the Irish Civil War. I did read like it it, it was a um, apparently some kind of conflict between the interpretation of their treaty with Great Britain. like they were independent, but one party felt like it wasn't a true independence. And also in the Civil War, apparently more people died than in the actual War of Independence. So they they kind of killed more people. They killed more of each other than they were killed by their actual quote-unquote enemies in the War of Independence. So it felt like there was a certain sadness there maybe about maybe the Irish Civil War, maybe just even civil wars in general, where at the end of the day, you are in conflict with your own countrymen, with your own friends, your own your own people, again, quote-unquote. But yeah, I'm not sure to what extent that metaphor runs or if it was just a kind of symbolical uh, layer to just kind of add to the the texture of the story.
1: I think, you know, obviously that influence is there. It's a part of the story, but my feeling is, I think you're right that it's not a direct allegory for that necessarily. Yeah. And not in the sense of, like you said, he's setting up Podrick as one side, Colm as the other. It's It's maybe more of just a story about the absurdity of certain kinds of conflict and how they can escalate in these ways that maybe don't make a lot of sense or how conflict kind of can breed conflict. You know, I think there's also parts of it to me that feel like, allegorical for more contemporary conflict, like cultural conflict that's that's happening. And and again, there, I don't think it's, you can't like easily map like, oh, Podrick is, you know, the progressives and Colm is Republicans or something, you know, it, do, it doesn't map that clearly. But I think there's layers of commentary there potentially about you know, just the nature of the conflict that we engage in as a culture and sort of the futility of that conflict sometimes and how it's fueled by certain kinds of, like, misunderstandings or inabili- inabilities to to see other people's experience from their perspective mm-hmm. or, or things like that. Uh, again, I, I'm not sure, like, it's saying things specifically about like, oh, this side, this, that, et cetera. But it's more just about like the feeling and the nature of conflict itself and how it arises and how, you know, you can have this one inciting incident of one person going, don't talk to me or I'm going to cut my fingers off. And that just kind of can set in motion this, this thing that spirals out of control and there's, there's no really coming back from potentially it is possible that the movie is commenting more directly on the, the irish civil war and you know you just don't have mm-hmm. the cultural context to to understand exactly yeah what those comments are
0: i think a more generalized perspective is probably the more relatable or makes it more relatable to the audience be, right. beyond ireland yeah. Yeah. which and i think that's you know, usually a sign of a good movie that it has uh, those kind of layers of relatability that it it can be both yeah, very yeah. specific to people who are in the know, but also to people who might not have the direct cultural um, associations, they might still relate more conceptually and then fill in the blanks with experiences of their own or from yeah. their own culture or just their own point of view. But just kind of to maybe wrap up that, train of thought because that, uh, towards the end, there's a final conversation between Patrick and Colm about kind of where they're at. You know, Patrick's donkey is dead, Colm's house is burned down, he got to escape though. And there's, uh, I, I don't remember the exact lines, but it felt like there was both a lack of closure, but also a certain assurance that... There's a sort of baseline established, like, okay, this is, because Patrick said, you know, um, there's some things that you don't move on from. So he does, it does feel like he's saying, like, okay, you know, um, because before that, Colm is uh, suggesting, like, oh, I I think we're quits now, but, or, or we're even. But Patrick kind of denies that. He says, no, there's no moving on. And he suggests, you know, that conflict is still ongoing and might even escalate beyond that but as he then walks away is like oh but at least you know thank you for taking care of the dog and then Badrick turns around and he's like oh yeah anytime yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that to me i really liked i was kind of surprised that the movie ended there like i felt like i was in a like full theater and everyone had kind of this whiplash moment where it was like wait that's it, yeah. Is this is, this, is this where it ends? Is, is it over? On first impression, it does feel like there's a kind of a lack of resolution or at least a, you know, there's not a neat little bow tie at the end of it. But right. after thinking about it some more, I do like that idea that there's at least, you know, it, it felt like there's some sort of understanding that's being established there or at least a, like there's a new line that they won't, cross or something yeah, like that I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure exactly how how to put it into words but i don't know it felt like there was something even though their friendship was broken and could get worse there's at least some sort of you know some aspect to both of their hearts or like their dignity that won't be uh that is kind of safeguarded yeah yeah but i, I you, you've seen it twice you might have uh, a stronger read on that than i have um, my read on
1: that end something in calm has been not changed necessarily, but whatever it is about. So I'm going to get into maybe exploring. There's half formed thoughts here. And I want to get into exploring maybe like, I think what a deeper conflict or a deeper theme in this film is that I, I didn't, you know, there's like, Oh, it's about conflict and friendship and, and art and these things. But there's this like, deeper question that's underneath that has to do with what is going on with Colm's character and why is he doing this in the first mm. place that I think is kind of the key to understanding the movie and I think a lot of that is about this relationship between niceness truth or accuracy is, is one way it's put at one point Podrick has a has a conversation with the old lady the ghoul the ghoul, the Banshee, I think she is Mrs.
0: McCormick. is that the one?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Mrs. orroyden the 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 old sort of witch, yes, character. Witch character. Yeah. My theory is that she's the Banshee, but um or one of them. I
0: did not know what a banshee was, So, I,
1: I think that's a part of Irish. They have a brief conversation about it. Padra comes into mm-hmm. the house and he talks to uh, Colm and he says Colm says he's finished the song and Podrick is says what well, what's the name and Colm says it's called the banshees of innisharan and Podrick is like what you know what's there are no banshees on innisharan mm-hmm. Colm is kind of like no or at least none that portend death and none that scream and portend death instead they kind of just sit back and watch amusedly which is uh, yep. which is what the which is what Mrs. McCormick does. She's just kind of like skulking in the background. And literally at the end, as that final scene is happening, she's sitting in a rocking chair, like overlooking the whole thing and just kind of has this... She's she's very amused throughout most mm-hmm. of the movie. So I think she's kind of a stand-in for one of the yeah. Banshees. And she just seems to have this like supernatural
0: quality about her. Yeah. Maybe just for the, the other dummies like myself. Like uh, Wikipedia says that a banshee is a female spirit in Irish folklore who heralds the death of a family member, usually by screaming, wailing, shrieking, or keening.
1: She literally does predict a death at one point, And she doesn't sh- shriek or scream, but mm-hmm. she's kind of the one who finds Dominic when he's dead. She said to... She talks about two deaths I think and one is mm. is the um the donkey one is the don- one I interpret as being the donkey the other thing is she is kind of like beckoning there's that one scene where she's beckoning towards Shaban and Shaban is kind of like you know reacting to it she's like no and I think like Shaban is one of the ones who kind of escapes the the banshees of in Assurance. She gets out. She's grappling with sort of like the existential darkness. She manages to escape, you know, relatively unscathed. Mm-hmm. The reason I was saying that is, at one point, she talks to Podrick, mm-hmm. and she says something I don't remember exactly what. And Podrick's like, "That's not very nice." And she says, "I wasn't trying to be nice. I was trying to be accurate." And mm-hmm. and I think this yeah. is a conflict that's kind of the movie is kind of touching on in several places, and part of part of what's going on with Colm is that he feels like this sense of niceness is a denial of what he sees as kind of this like deeper truth, this like darker, heavy existential truth that he wants to engage with, which is like, hey, we're headed for death. He has a conversation about, he and Shaban have a couple conversations that kind of touch on this theme. But his whole like, main monologue about, you know, art, music is meaningful because people remember it, is a part of this, like, he's trying to engage with I don't want to waste my life. He's grappling with this, like, very deep existential sort of mm-hmm. question that's fueled by, like, the inevitability of his death. He kind of sees this, like, this n- this niceness, quote-unquote, that that Podrick represents or is putting forth as, like, a barrier to actually engaging with those heavier questions, which I think is reflected in Podrick's seeming inability to like engage with the the emotional pain of the characters that are around him. So it's setting up some kind of conflict there. But yep. then that is resolved somehow at the end for Column by podrick kind of going to the dark side like he engages with his own pain and sort of like lashes out a little bit then that sort of makes him tolerable to calm for some reason he's kind of like oh i'll I'll stand here and talk to you and even thank you for caring for my dog you know there it like it overcomes something a little bit for him but then the dark side of that is like podrick is not wanting to engage in the same way because he's been hurt by this, by this process. So I don't know that Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of half formed as an, like kind of an interpretation that I have right now, but, but that's what was running through my head the second time Mm -hmm. as it was kind of coming to that conclusion.
0: I think based on that, I'm not sure how well this fits the actual movie, but based on what you just said, that had me thinking of uh, the the work of Ernest Becker, you know, his famous his, book. Uh, I'm not super familiar, that,
1: but I know you've, you've talked
0: about the denial this, of death. This, yeah. Uh, yeah, well-known book, uh, The Denial of Death, that basically posits that human beings are, you know, the fundamental struggle is that struggle with death and specifically the, uh, not just physical death, but also oblivion, like insignificance and death without meaning. And so what he argues is that as an answer to that, we engage in we try to engage in symbolical immortality. So in his case, um, you know, there's multiple ways to go about that through like love and family or through a country or some other symbolical ideology or in the case of Calm, through art. You know, he wants to have his music. Uh, He sees, uh, he talks about Mozart at some point, uh, mistakes the age (laughs) he lived (laughs) in, which is kind of funny. But he talks about Mozart as, Essentially, being immortal because we still remember him now, centuries later, and that he sees as a resolution to the problem of death, basically. So, in that sense, it feels like that struggle is kind of going on there that he wants, that he is coming to terms with the despair of death, and he comes to the resolution that I'm going to overcome this through releasing more of my music into the world. And I think that kind of ties into what you were saying about uh, the. The way kindness is, in his perception at least, perceived as something that stands in the way of that. Right. But then at the same time, what might have been his revelation then at the end is that now he knows like he hasn't been nice. He's been like cruel and absurd and destructive to those around him and it ends up causing all this needless destruction. His house is burned down. He has no fingers left to play music, and so there's a revelation there that he, or that kindness, is not so much an obstacle to that kind of transcendence, but it's actually a sort of subtle, quiet facilitator of it. That in a kind world, that's also when right. things are allowed to blossom and to last. Yeah, because if you're if you if you kind of rule it out, and you end up in this world where everyone's just mean to each other and burns each other's house down you know then there's nothing there's also no space to create and do anything meaningful yeah yeah. so because that's there's an argument earlier on that or or, uh, an argument that they're having where patrick is talking about how kindness is also important and just just being nice on a day-to-day level that's also what matters on that more existential level and i feel like that maybe towards the end then calm has a sort of comes to an understanding of that at least in part that it's that his kindness or his kind of purposeless friendship with badrick was not what was standing in the way of him being this composer or whatever he wanted to do to fulfill his or to overcome his existential dread but it was right maybe something he actually should have cherished and uh or at least handled in a different way in order to be able to do the other thing yeah. i'm not sure that that's at least my very rough analysis, just based on what you were uh, talking about.
1: No, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. and I think I think it's interesting how we see Colm do some acts of what's uh, acts of kindness towards Podrick in a couple places where he kind of yeah. stands up for him to uh, the police the police officer twice kind of in two different occasions. And then also, you, you know, there's uh, thinking about what you just said, there's some kind of thematic connection, too, between like call, one of the things that I think really strikes Colm or kind of is part of his becoming aware or, you know, part of his character shift at the end is he does really feel bad about Jenny dying, the donkey, hmm, um, yeah. which is an accident. But, he, you know, he feels bad about it. He has that conversation with the, the priest. And the priest is like you know god doesn't care about and you think god cares about a donkey calm is like i fear that he doesn't and then immediately after that podrick burns down his house but saves his dog and there's something in like that gesture obviously that touches calm in a way that i think like kind of transforms his view maybe of podrick because the weird thing is, it's not like Colm can't doesn't have the ability to tolerate somebody he doesn't like. Because he he doesn't like the police officer, he mm-hmm. he kind of despises him for several reasons. He like punches him at least once, but he sits in the pub mm-hmm. and like has a conversation with him. He can quote unquote tolerate the fool, but for whatever reason, he's got it in his head with Podrick that he can't do that yeah. in this specific scenario.
0: I think that maybe. Uh, also with um, his guilt about Jenny is that he realizes that he's actually, he set out to create something that lasts and right. in the meantime, like what he really did was actually destroy something through kind of his inattentiveness or his uh, his kind of obsession with destroying that relationship and so maybe to kind of rephrase what I was saying earlier on about the kind of existential place of kindness is that it's that he, There might be a realization there that it's also not so much about trying to create something very important and having putting that into the world, but also just at the very baseline, just maintaining it as it is and not making it any worse is also already a, right. a sort of something that we take for granted when we talk about uh, existential purpose and leaving a legacy. Just leaving the world not worse than you found it is not something... A lot of people genuinely aspire to, you know, we, we want to leave something more significant, something more important, something that will be talked about. And we kind of forget that just having, making sure that there will be people in the future or that can talk about stuff is, might just be as important or yeah. just kind of preserving what we have instead of just feeling the need to add something to it. Especially well when that means that we have to sacrifice something in the present or just cause something to ruin, to put it like this when we, especially when we are sacrificing something concrete for the possibility of something that lasts instead right. of having two kind of these equal forces. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I have the, the feeling that McDonough, you know, doesn't really have a side that he's taking. I think kind of mm-hmm. philosophically the way that Podrick states his side as, you know, oh, my, my grandmother was nice, I remember her, and kind of his thesis of hey it's it's the way we treat people that matters mm-hmm. who cares about mozart or these these other guys i think it is in a sense like the better position but i think you can't confuse sort of that niceness with a blindness to sort of truth and the state of things and the the pain that people are experiencing and so you mm-hmm. know there it's like for, for that niceness or kindness to be truly meaningful, it has to be, it can't be ignorant, I guess, is the way I would put it. Yeah. Like, if it's just enacted out of a, a sense of ignorance, then it, it isn't as deeply meaningful as as when it is, you know, in, in Podrick's case, he, you know, saving the dog as an act of kindness even in the face of his like deep like he could have retaliated a, you know like an eye for an eye in that situation but hmm. there's like a recognition of or there's niceness there in spite of his own pain and in spite of the conflict and in spite of the hurt that was inflicted on him by colum it's not just you know oh i'm nice to this guy because he's he's nice to me so I don't know, there's there's something there. And there's a way in which that position kind of has to be tempered by a recognition of sort of like reality and and truth and accuracy mm-hmm. and these other things. So I guess yeah. I, I say that to, to say, I don't think McDonough has a position so much as he's p- taking these two ideas and positioning them in kind of like a dialectical conversation through the film, like in a kind of Socratic dialogue. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing play out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it doesn't have to be either or. Like that, that's not the real choice that I think is thematically relevant. There, it's not for Colm's character, not for Patrick's, because I feel like too often we talk about that kind of ambition to leave something, as in this kind of whiplash style where you have to dedicate your whole right, life to right, yeah. this single purpose and burn all your relationships. And I feel like maybe that's kind of tempered down a little bit in this movie. But at the same time, there's also not. There's, as you said, there's also kind of an argument against just naively going through life and going through the motions. Because, you know, with if we all just did that, then there wouldn't have been a Mozart. There wouldn't have been that artistic elevation of humanity or the, the, the progress that we've made in other areas. So there has to be some balance or some kind of awareness, some kind of deliberateness that I feel like this movie is exploring. Because, yeah, as you said, it doesn't feel like there's a clear victor at the end or not like a in the literal sense but also in the moral sense that there's not someone who has the ends on the moral high note or the high ground at least not in my perception and so yeah I, I, I agree that may also be part of the confusion that I can imagine some people felt at the end that there wasn't this clear statement as you you're used to getting in many other movies where at the end it's like oh I thought I, I I had to be selfish, but now I realize I have to care for other people. And you right. were right, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> uh, there isn't exactly that clear of a coming to terms moment or coming to a realization moment, but it, it it ends up being this kind of broader portrait of these how these forces interact with people and how they clash with each other, and that's what kind of part of what fascinated me about this movie. But also, yeah. yeah it's it's also an aspect that i'm still struggling with to to fully make sense of um but yeah i guess that may have been the point to some extent to leave yeah. that ambiguous um, i
1: i relate i think i i struggled to connect with it uh, emotionally um the first time like the the ending i didn't know what to do with emotionally like i felt a little bit out of touch with the emotions of the movie but i i was more emotionally affected by it the second time around. Mm. Mm. So, you know, it might've just been the context in which I was watching it, but you know, not having the expectations and kind of understanding a little bit more what the movie is trying to do allowed me to like get connected to it emotionally a little bit more. There's a couple other questions I have. Do you think the masks in Colm's house represent anything super specific? Do you have any thoughts about that?
0: I don't remember, I remember the one mask that Patrick kind of plays with plays as with, he yeah. is exploring the house. I, there was a lot of woodworking and like little knickknacks, yeah. artsy projects, it seems. Didn't really think that much more about it other than that he was clearly someone who was passionate or at least engaged in creative arts, hobbies, creating things that last as uh, he might be nearing the end of his own life um yeah the, the wh- one thing i do want to talk about some more is uh we've talked about the main characters um his uh, uh comb Patrick, his sister what were your thoughts on dominic all four of them are nominated for an oscar by the way yes it's really cool
1: yeah all the all well the deserved. nominations are are yeah. deserved these all four of these performances i mean the whole cast is great but all four of those performances i think yeah are spot on.
0: Only Jenny got snubbed, unfortunately. Yes,
1: only Jenny. There's no lead (laughs) best animal. animal. Yeah.
0: The best donkey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely by far the best donkey in any film. (laughs) Well, actually, there's EO this year. I haven't seen EO, so, or from last year. So maybe. Oh, there might
0: actually be some competition. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Dominic, I'm not sure how he relates to kind of like the central themes that we've discussed besides kind of being an extension of just sort of the 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 like torment and malaise of the island and you know I thought about him a little bit in the context of this story being sort of a reflection or allegory of contemporary society and some of the conflicts in that he's just I mean he's very much this sort of incel kind of character Yeah, I use that kind of like in the literal sense he's tormented by, by I think, a lot of the same pain that everybody else on the island is to some extent. But, you know, he's abused by his, his father. He doesn't have prospects in life. You know, he's kind of looked down upon as being dim-witted. You know, love is kind of unattainable for him. He kind of succumbs to the despair that you you know i think colm is kind of fighting against it, in a sense we don't know exactly what happens to him there's some comment like oh you know maybe he fell fell in the lake or whatever but it seems pretty clear to me that he you hmm. know he probably killed himself so yeah. yeah i don't i don't i don't know what about you what it, what did you think of how
0: he fit into
1: the broader narrative
0: yeah at first i thought he was a kind of extreme progression of Patrick's character like a sort of character to show in a more extreme form like what in a more extreme reflection of who Patrick is like he's right. actually uh, kind of dim witted kind of socially inept and that he at first i thought he was just maybe a way to uh, kind of enlarge our perspective of Patrick or kind of clarify that yeah. uh, i think there's an interesting dynamic also between the two where they seem to connect, but at the same time, I feel like Patrick was kind of depending on him being lower on the island's social hierarchy than he is, just to just to make sure that he, because I I think Patrick did realize that if it wasn't for Dominic, then he would be the island right. dummy, yeah. so to say. He would be the, right. the 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 bottom of the barrel. There, it did kind of his story. Uh, he, he's also in love with. Uh, Patrick's sister, which is pretty obvious. I think he does have a really great scene where he tries to profess that love and he's rejected. Yeah. And there's kind of that sad moment where he's like, oh, there's, there goes that dream. And that kind of speaks to, I think, what you said about him also being this character who just kind of longs for some kind of connection, but isn't able to find it on the island. Not in a, like, that meaningful, deeper... He may, mostly seems to just get by with Patrick, as long as he can right. offer him whiskey and uh, as long as Patrick doesn't have an, another friend yeah uh, that he that he'd rather be with I, I i felt like his story did take a dark turn when he wasn't but it was revealed he was he wasn't just being like abused as in like beaten by an overly aggressive father but also molested by him sexually which i f- felt like almost needlessly dark. I'm not sure to what extent that, what that had to do with the story, other than that it revealed how bad of a character his father was. Right. That I'm not sure he, he might also have a more, a bigger role in the story that we haven't touched on On the way he is kind of this very, he's clearly a, a very corrupt cop who's constantly abusing his authority just to kind of be aggressive towards people he doesn't like. Yeah. But I'm not sure what el- how else that, um, in what other ways that ties into the story. Um, but, anyways, yeah, for Dominic, that kind of made his story feel like a little bit too real almost. Instead of, at, because there's a lot of the conflict in this movie that you can kind of well, not laugh at, but there's a, it always feels like it comes with that kind of typical McDonough wink or there's a, you right. know, haha, he's going to cut off his fingers and. You know, it, it feels kind of, it there's an absurdity to it all. And it felt like with Dominic's story that it felt like uh, I couldn't see the joke anymore or I failed to see like the, the funny side of it. But overall, I did think it was a great performance and a great addition to the cast. Um, I think he did bring an interesting perspective also to the conflict that the others were having. Just to hear his point of view on things was um Uh, especially in the way it was acted with kind of lively, kind of uh, very direct, like someone find it very direct, very unfiltered, which I thought was uh, definitely brought a lot of humor. So yeah, Yeah. that, that, that that I didn't really like. I think
1: it is a, it is a tragedy. Uh, We talked about that at the beginning and, Mm -hmm. you know, when I said I connected with it more emotionally the second time, like, the emotion I felt the second time watching it was just sadness. Like, it wasn't mm. like, oh, you know. I mean, it's a, it's funny. It it has, there's some really hilarious lines. Like, right towards the end, in the midst of kind of the darkest parts of the movie, there's one of the funniest lines where Shaban, you know, she's moved off the island. She writes this letter back to Podrick. And she's like, I've ensconced myself in mainland life or whatever. And then Podrick replies, and he's like... Obviously, I don't know what ensconced means. Uh, There's just (laughs) like a ton of very funny moments and lines. Mm -hmm. But the story overall, I think, is just purely a tragedy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, Dominic, and what you've talked about, for me, part of that is just speaking to this deeper idea of there being just like demons that that people are struggling with on the island that are not acknowledged openly or talked Mm. about or really like they're not getting to grapple with them directly in conflict uh instead that's coming out in other ways or those people are just falling into despair so yeah yeah it's a very i mean it's it's dark and tragic but i think you know is is it a step too far for maybe a, a movie that is
0: Otherwise, so absurd. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if it goes too far, but I did like that the punch of the the cop got punched in the face. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and he is he is being treated as this kind of foul person, even though they they don't even acknowledge it or they don't even realize the full depths of it until right. Patrick kind of blurts it out.
1: I kind of appreciate it in the sense that I think the movie is wanting to try to really engage with like the depth of hardship that people might experience in life you know in mm-hmm. being a being a microcosm sort of of a larger larger philosophical questions about how we live our lives and conflict and and things like this um and our ability to sort of like engage with the people around us and acknowledge what other people are going through and their hardships you know i think uh i see the same thing kind of reflected in shabon it's like there's a lot of so much that she's struggling with that's completely under the surface completely un unacknowledged that we only see and podrick especially is completely unable to like to even recognize it and it's eventually what makes her leave she just has to leave entirely and i i see kind of like dominic and shabon as like mirrors of each other kind of going in separate directions surrounding the other two characters
0: or, or that's kind of the feeling that I had. Yeah. I think that in the most general sense, I did feel like it was a very empathetic movie and one that really inspires empathy, just also by the fact that it's set on this very remote Island where there's this just tiny community where with people who aren't like something special, they're just regular citizens and to show that even in on that, the kinds of people where we usually assume there isn't that much depth going on, that there's yeah. still like this wealth of inner richness and inner conflicts and inner uh inner demons going on. That there's just a that just within that kind of in, in such a tiny space, there's still this wealth of the just the grand like human experience the fullness of the human experience is still represented and still captured in even those remote places where on the surface nothing seems to happen yeah yeah it's also it it's just that the fact that it's kind of completely outside of ireland itself because you know ireland is at war but at the same time the island uh, of Inisharan doesn't seem to be bothered with it at all um which again emphasizes that it's just it feels like this kind of vacuum space where there's no no connections to the outside world nothing really happens nothing of significance happens at least and still there's you still find these same uh, basic human struggles thank you all for listening if you enjoy the show and want to help us keep it going be sure to follow us on our creator-owned streaming service nebula cinema of meaning is a nebula original show meaning that here you can experience our podcast ad free listen to all of our episodes a week early, and get instant access to all of our monthly bonus episodes. This month, that will be Damien Chazelle's Babylon. Before that, we've also covered Avatar The Way of Water, the new All Quiet on the Western Front, Upstream Color, Alien Covenant, Drive, and many others. So, you're really getting a whole new catalog of episodes. You can sign up directly at our Nebula page, that's nebula.tv cinemaofmeaning, or just follow the link in the show notes, and we'll see you again next time.